taken from Revelation 21, verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying, and there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. In my experience of preaching the gospel for over half a century, I have observed that older people have a greater appreciation for sermons about heaven than those who are young. And I suppose that's a natural thing, because as we grow older and the body begins to uh, fall away, we begin to think about the fact that we're not going to live here forever, and we begin to uh, think about where we're going to spend eternity. Those of us who are Christians and who are concerned about our souls begin to think about heaven. And so when we're older, we have a tendency to be more appreciative of sermons about heaven. However, those who are young really don't think about it as much as those who are older, and that's a natural thing. Usually they're in good health. They have a long time to live, they feel. They'll probably live until they're nearly 80 years of age. They don't think a great deal about the life to come. But tonight it shall be my desire to try to whet your appetite, whether you be young or old, and encourage you to be motivated to plan to go to heaven. We begin with the statement from Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, when he gave the timetable of life. Beginning with verse 1, he talked about those who are young. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Then he came through the existence of man on earth until he comes to the latter part of his life. Listen to some things that he said about getting old. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. That may have reference to the hands that tremble as we grow older. And the young men or strong men shall bow themselves. When we grow older, sometimes our bodies become bowed and bent because of age, arthritis, and other maladies. And the grinders cease because they're few. The grinders can refer to the teeth that come loose and come out when we become older. And those that look out of the windows be darkened. That could refer to the eyes that grow dim as we grow older. And those that look out of the windows be darkened. When the sound of the grinding is low, the sound grows weaker. Uh, We lose our hearing sometimes as we grow older. And then in verse 5, he says, The grasshopper shall be a burden. When we grow older, we're not as strong as we once were. And using a hyperbole, he may be saying that even the carrying of a grasshopper can be a burden to us. Then he says, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. I believe that Solomon is talking about going to heaven when he says, because man goeth to his long home. The word home is used as a synonym for heaven. The Bible sometimes refers to that life beyond the grave and with God as a home. The home is a vestibule of heaven. It is a foretaste of what heaven will be like. When our home is what it ought to be here on earth, it gives us a little foretaste of what heaven will be like. Life beyond this earth will be a home. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, the Apostle Paul said in the New American Standard Version that he was willing to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And so when we are absent from the body, when we die, we separate from this body and we go home to be with the Lord. Heaven is really our home. And our thoughts ought to be in that direction. And I would hope that tonight we'll be able to think about heaven a little more and emphasize it in our own thinking. When I was preaching for the Dalreda Church in the 90s, we had a lady there who was named Catherine Oliver. Those of you who are here tonight and were at Dalreda at that time will remember Catherine. She was a very fine lady, very dear friend of ours. In her sunset years, she developed cancer. And in her last day, she was at home awaiting that journey. One day, she said to her husband, Bill, I'm so tired. I want to go home. I believe she was not talking about her home here on earth. She was there at home. She was lucid. I believe she was talking about going home to be with God in heaven. Paul said in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. The Bible teaches us to think about those things that are eternal. I believe Catherine Oliver was thinking about those things. In her last days, she told her husband one day, Bill, I want you to put me in the car and drive me down to the Dalreda building and drive around the building so I can see it one more time. Her thoughts were on things eternal. That's where she had worshipped so long. And those were the things that were uppermost in her mind. So when she said, I want to go home, I believe she was talking about going home to be with God in heaven. Heaven is really our home. And I'm sure that many of you have fond memories of friends and loved ones who have crossed over to the other shore, having died in the triumphs of a living faith. And you're looking forward to that time when you shall have fellowship with them again. Think what a homecoming it will be when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. We don't know a great deal about heaven. We don't understand everything about it. And yet everything we learn about it tugs at our hearts to draw us there. One little boy came home from Bible class one Sunday morning and said, Mama, my teacher said my body is not going to heaven. The mother understood what the teacher was saying, and she tried to explain it to the little boy. She told him that this body as a physical body will not go to heaven, but it will be changed into a spiritual body. And the little boy said, then what am I going to button my pants to? <laughs> little boys don't understand everything about heaven, and those of us who are older don't understand everything about it either. But heaven has a great appeal to us, for one thing, because of its beauty. We were just singing about how beautiful heaven must be. But when we think about the beauty of heaven, oftentimes we're thinking about a city with gates of pearl, walls of jasper, and a street of gold. And that does sound like it would be a beautiful place. But I should like to suggest tonight that there are some other things that make heaven beautiful, even more beautiful than that description that sounds like a physical description.
I'd like to suggest some things. Number one, heaven is beautiful because it is home for the child of God. I've alluded to the fact that the Bible sometimes uses the word home as a synonym for heaven. Have you ever been away from home for a long time? If you were in the service, you probably have been. Back during World War II, some would go away into service and would not return home for two or three years. During the Vietnam War, the former Senator John McCain was a prisoner of war for five years. It was over five years before he was able to come home. Don't you know that home was beautiful to him when he was finally able to come home? That's the way it is with us when we've been away from home for a long time. Heaven is beautiful because it'll be a place where we go home to spend eternity. Our stay on earth is only temporary. The Bible teaches that we are here just for a time. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Peter said, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims that ye abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. You're strangers and pilgrims. Those words suggest that we're from another country, that we're just visiting here on earth. We sing a song sometimes about the fact that we are pilgrims. Here we are, but straying pilgrims. The Bible teaches that we are from another country. Paul teaches that our earth, our stay on earth, is only temporary. And that uh, after a while, we're going to leave this earth and go to live with God in eternity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul said, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He says this body is a tabernacle. That word tabernacle is from a Greek word that means a tent. Paul says this body is just a tent. Now, you wouldn't live permanently in a tent. You might go camping and stay overnight in a tent, but you wouldn't live permanently in a tent. This body is a tent, and we're not going to live in it for eternity. And after a while, we move out of this body into eternal habitations. It is in that future home that real joy and happiness and peace will be found. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, Paul said, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If our only hope is this life, we don't have much hope. But the Bible teaches that we have more hope than that. We can go home to live with God after a while. This earth is not our home. We're just passing through on the way to a better and more beautiful home called heaven. Second, heaven is beautiful because it is eternal. We don't go there for just a short time and then we have to move out, but it would be for eternity. The righteous will obtain eternal life. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gave three pictures of the judgment day. Beginning with verse 31, he said, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. You remember that division. Those on the right, the righteous, are those who have served the Lord because they've served others. 
Those on the left are those who did not serve the Lord because they did not serve others. And then in verse 46, Jesus said of those on the left, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Heaven will be beautiful because it will be for eternity. As children of God, we won't go there and stay for three years and then have to move to another place. It will be for eternity. At Revelation 14 and verse 13, the writer says, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. When we go to heaven, we'll find rest. Here on earth, we have labored and toiled while we look for a home. We have fought those battles with the whole armor of God. And when we die, we lay the armor aside, we lay those tools aside, and we go to heaven to find rest with God. I want something permanent to which I can anchor my soul. I can't find that here on earth, but I can find it in heaven. When we go to heaven, it'll be beautiful because it will be for eternity. The blessings and benefits of heaven will be eternal. They will never cease. If I should ask you tonight, what do you consider to be the most permanent thing among objects on earth? You might say it'd be diamonds. A young lady who's in love may think the most beautiful thing on earth is diamonds. And they are permanent, as permanent as anything else on earth, but they too will pass away when the world passes away. But you see, there are blessings that we will enjoy in heaven that will never cease. Did you know that, that uh, snow is as beautiful as diamonds? A snowflake is as beautiful as diamonds. The next time it snows here in Montgomery, if it does, <laughs> take a microscope and put it in the refrigerator and let it get cold. And then take it outside and put a little snowflake under the microscope. And you will find that it is as beautiful as diamonds, but it just doesn't last. But when you get to heaven, it won't be like snowflakes. Heaven will last forever. Heaven is beautiful because it is eternal. And number three, heaven is beautiful because it is a place where we will find and enjoy wonderful association. Can you imagine going to heaven and living with God, with Christ, and with the Holy Spirit? In John 14, 1-3, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Wouldn't you like to live right next door to Christ himself? God will be there. In Revelation 21 and verse 3, John says that God himself shall be with them and be their God, and they shall be his people. The Holy Spirit will be there. I'd like to go to heaven and live right next door to God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. We'll also enjoy fellowship with godly people from all the ages. Read that great chapter of Hebrews 11. Read about all of those great people of faith. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be there with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with Rahab and Esther, 
with Paul the Apostle, Lydia, and all the great men and women of the New Testament period. How wonderful it would be when we get to heaven and have fellowship with all of these people. We love to be with godly people here on earth. We enjoy association with good people, godly people. Can you imagine what it will be to go to heaven and be there with all the best people the world has ever known and be with them forever? There was a time when I was young that I would think of heaven. But when I thought of heaven then, I thought of a beautiful city. I'd heard preachers describe it as a beautiful city with walls of jasper, gates of pearl, and a street of gold. They described it as a beautiful city. And when I was young, when I thought of heaven, that's what I thought about. But you know, there are some other things that make heaven more beautiful for us. Preachers had described heaven as a place where the angels dwell. But I didn't know any angels. And I didn't know anyone that I thought would be in heaven. And then I was baptized when I was about 13 years old by Brother Alden Norton, who was the head of the Christian Home and Bible School in Mount Dora. I looked up to Brother Alden and thought of him as a father figure. He was a great and good man. I wanted to go to camp that summer, and I didn't have any money. Our family was poor. There were seven children in the family at that time. Another one would come later. My daddy was a drunkard. We had a little money. And Brother Alden said, if you come over and stay with my family on the campus at Mount Dora Bible School and work this summer, I'll pay for you to go to camp. And so I went over and stayed on the campus in that shack they lived on on the Bible School campus and worked with those boys and girls in the orphan home there. And then at the end of the summer, Brother Alden paid for me to go to camp. And it was that very week, on Thursday of that week, we heard that Brother Alden Norton had been killed in an automobile accident the night before. And then I knew one person who would surely be in heaven. And as I've grown older and have met many people, had fellowship with many good people on earth, others whom I have known began to pass away. But it was not until my own son was taken in death that I came to realize that I have a greater interest in heaven. In a little cemetery in Enterprise, Alabama, there sleeps in death the body of our youngest son. He died in infancy and innocency. He was as pure as the driven snow, and I have no doubt that he will be in heaven. Others whom I've known and loved have crossed over to the other shore. A few years ago, my mother-in-law died. And Mackie's mother died when she was 93. She had been a Christian for over 80 years of her life. I've never met a godlier or purer person than her. And so I knew another one who would surely be in heaven. And now when my thoughts turn to heaven, I don't just think of a city that's purely uh, beautiful, a city with 
Walls of jasper, gates of pearl, and a street of gold. Now when I think of heaven, I think of people who have gone there. I tell you, heaven is not just a place, it's people. It's people who have gone to be with the Lord. And I hope that's what you'll think about when you think of heaven. You can think of that beautiful city, but also think of the people whom you have known who died in the, in the faith and went home to be with God. Heaven is beautiful because it is a place of wonderful association with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, and with the godly people whom we have known. And then again, heaven is beautiful because it is a place of victory. Here on earth, we'll fight some battles and we'll lose some battles. But through Christ, we can overcome them. And on that resurrection morning, when he calls for us, we'll arise from the dead and be victorious over the last enemy, which is death. In heaven, we will have final, eternal victory over death, disappointment, discouragement. All of these enemies that we fight in this world. In Revelation 21 and verse 4, when John described heaven, he said, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. No dying, no crying, no sighing. All of those things that have caused us to weep here on earth will pass away, and we won't have to cry anymore. Some years ago, I met a man by the name of Willie Bryson, a gospel preacher. He was preaching over in the outskirts of Orlando, Florida, and I was preaching nearby. Willie Bryson was a gospel preacher. He had gone through a lot of sorrow in his life. He was deformed. His body was deformed. Let me tell you how deformed he was. He didn't have a left arm. When he was born, he had no left arm. But he had a hand sticking out of his shoulder with three fingers on it. His right arm was about two-thirds as long as it ought to be. When he was six years old, his parents sold him to Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. Can you imagine that? They put him in one of these tents where there were oddities of nature. They'd pay to go in to see these oddities of nature. Maybe a five-legged calf or two-headed snake. They'd also see a little boy who had no arm but a hand sticking out of his shoulder and an arm that's not as long as it ought to be. After he left the circus, some of our brethren found him selling newspapers on the streets of Chattanooga, Tennessee. They talked to him about going to school if they'd help him. They took him down to Dasher Bible School. They not only made a Christian out of him, they made a preacher out of him. And he preached the gospel the rest of his life. But as he would walk down the street, people would turn and stare at him. 
Little children would say, look at that funny man. On one occasion, Willie Bryson was talking to a mutual friend, Brother Leo Snow, a gospel preacher. And he said, Leo, I'm looking forward to heaven as perhaps no one else on earth. I want to walk down that street of gold and not have people turn and stare at me. And not hear little children say, look at that funny man. There are a lot of heartaches and sorrows in life. And I know Willie Bryson was looking forward to heaven. Because in heaven, he won't have to cry anymore. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I want to go to heaven. Because heaven will be a place where I can have victory over all of these heartaches and sorrows in life. Heaven is beautiful because it will be the end of all sin and suffering and evil. All sin will end on earth. None of that will be in heaven. In Revelation 21 verse 27, in that beautiful description of heaven, John says, And there shall in no wise enter into, any, into it, Anything that defileth or worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those whose names have been written in that book of life will go to heaven. Now you understand why God would require repentance on our part to become a Christian and to go to heaven? Because you know if you went to the dirtiest, filthiest slum on earth and you found the dirtiest, filthiest person in that slum, the most immoral, evil person in that slum. And if you took him and took him to Washington, D.C. and gave him a room in the White House, the most beautiful room in that White House, he'd be out of place and he'd soon ruin that place. If you don't change him, he would ruin that place. In like manner, if God should take one of us in our lost and undone condition and set us in heaven we'd be as out of place as a silk skirt on a pig and we'd ruin heaven only those who are righteous those in God's family will be in heaven a person who does not enjoy spiritual things wouldn't enjoy heaven a person who does not, who does not enjoy Bible study and worship, fellowship with Christians, would not enjoy heaven. He'd be out of place there. And so John says, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will go there. And then finally, heaven is beautiful because of his nature. The very nature of heaven tugs at our hearts and makes us want to go there. It's a promised place for the people of God. In 1 Peter 1 verse 4, Peter said to an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. It is a promised place for the people of God. It is the Christian's inheritance. In Romans chapter 8, we are taught that if the Spirit of Christ is in us, we are His. And in verse 17, Paul said, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ.
Heaven will be our inheritance. And Peter says it is incorruptible in that it is not subject to ruin and corruption. No fire will destroy it, no flood, no hurricane, no tornado will destroy it. It's incorruptible. And he says it is undefiled in that it is not stained by sin and evil. Because that's the home where God lives. The one who is holy and pure and cannot live in the presence of sin. It is undefiled. And it is one that will not fade away, Peter said, in that it is permanent. It will always be there. Those treasures we have on earth will fade away. You think of Bill Gates and his $100 billion wealth. One second after he dies, he'll be as poor as the poorest pauper on earth. Those treasures will fade away. You think of the man who's the CEO of Amazon. He's worth $140 billion. But one second after he dies, he'll be as poor as the poorest pauper on earth. Remember the song we sang a few moments ago? Earth holds no treasures but perish with using, however precious they be. Yet there's a country to which I'm going. Heaven holds all to me. These things of earth will fade away. But Peter says of heaven, it fadeth not away. Then he says, reserved in heaven for you. Remember John 14, 1-3, where Jesus said he was going to prepare a place for us. It's being prepared right now. And it's reserved for you. You know what it means to reserve a motel room. My wife and I are leaving in the morning. We'll be gone two or three days. We made a reservation at a motel in Chattanooga, Tennessee. When we get there, they'll have a room reserved for us. In like manner, Peter says, you can reserve a home in heaven. You can reserve one of those mansions that Christ has gone to prepare. He's preparing it for you. Are you preparing for it? Are you ready for that day to come? Do you have that hope that you'll spend eternity in heaven with God? Someone was trying to describe the beauty and splendor of a sunset to a woman who wrote a lot of songs about beauty and God and heaven, Fanny Crosby. It is said that she wrote 6,000 songs, but she was blind from the time she was six weeks old. And so as she grew up, she had no memory of seeing anything. But as an adult, someone was trying to describe a beautiful sunset to her. You know how hard that would be? To describe a sunset to someone who'd never seen anything else? You couldn't say a beautiful sunset is like because she's never seen anything else. I understand that difficulty. I've stood on the eastern rim of the Grand Canyon and I've seen the sun setting across the canyon. But I can't describe it to you. It staggers the imagination. And renders the tongue of the orator speechless as he tries to describe it. 
but someone tried to describe it to Fanny Crosby. And as she meditated upon that description, she said, I cannot see it now, but this I know. One day I will see him, the one who makes the sunset, face to face. That night she sat down and wrote the words of a beautiful song. We often sing it in our worship. Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing. But oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the king, and I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. Can you sing it? Do you have that hope? If you're not a Christian, if you're not in the family of God, you don't have the hope that you'll go to heaven and live in that home in heaven. You need to obey the gospel if you're not a Christian. Believe in Christ as the Son of God, John 8, 24. Turn away from sin in repentance, Luke 13 and 3. Confess your faith in Christ, Romans 10 and 10. And be baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2, 38. If you're not a Christian, if you've never obeyed the gospel, why not respond to his invitation tonight? You can become a Christian even in this hour. And you can go home and rest your body in peaceful rest tonight in calm assurance that should you not awaken tomorrow, it'd make no difference. You spend eternity in heaven with God. Why not obey the gospel tonight? Maybe you've been a Christian in the past, having obeyed the gospel in days gone by. And maybe you haven't been living as one who was preparing to go to heaven. If you haven't been serving Christ faithfully, if you haven't been walking in the light as he is in the light, why not tonight come home? God loves you. He's anxious to forgive you. You remember that, that story of the prodigal son? When that prodigal, the sinner, came home, his father ran to meet him. And so I say, God is anxious to forgive you. He'll run to meet you. Brother Sam Long, one of our elders, will speak to you and assist you if you respond to his invitation tonight. Why not do it right now while we stand and sing?